Ezra chapter 9. We'll read verses 1 through 10. Ezra chapter 9 says this in the Word of God. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even to the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Jebusite, the Ammonite, the Moabite, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed hath mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and my beard and sat astonished. Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness. And having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. Verse 6, and said, O my God, I am ashamed. And blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass has grown up into the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space... Grace hath been showed from the Lord our God, and to leave us a remnant to escape, and to give us a nail in this holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem, Verse 10, and now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments. Let's pray again together, please. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we plead the blood and claim the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, again, we thank you that we can gather together. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people that are sitting here, the faithfulness of your people that are listening in. And Lord, we confess we need you. Lord, we desire you this morning. Lord, that you would come and work in our midst and work in the hearts of everyone here and everyone listening, uh, dear God. And Lord, uh, those that have great need this morning, Lord, that one that needs to be saved, oh God, open that heart, draw that one unto thee today that they would repent and put their trust in the death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, dear God, Lord, uh, again, we think about the physical needs. Lord, we think about Kay this morning. Lord, special prayer for Kay this morning. And Lord, uh, Don, uh, strengthen his heart. Though we think of that serious, uh, uh, unspoken, uh, Sister Allison mentioned. And Lord, uh, Brother Wood's loved ones and other loved ones. Lord, we think of Sister Barnett and uh, Sister Muxlow and Sister Dodd and uh, Sister Carpenter and others with need this morning. Uh, Lord, I'm so glad that we can just yield ourselves to you this morning. And Lord, have your will and way, Lord. Uh, challenge us, strengthen us, encourage us, help us through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. 
So we, uh, we look at this story this morning here, a little background on this. And uh, as you know, uh, uh, King Darius had given some permission for some Jews. And actually he said, whosoever will, amen, thank God for kings that say whosoever will. Aren't you glad the king said whosoever will, amen, may go up to Jerusalem, amen. I'm looking forward to going up to that new Jerusalem. And he said, uh, may go up with Ezra and return unto the land. And man, he was nice. He even gave him an expense account. Hey, aren't you glad the king gave us an expense account that we can spend along the way, amen? So promises we can claim along the way. And of course, uh, it was important that some of the Levites went with them because, of course, it was the Levites' responsibility. It was their duty to study the Word of God and to teach the Word of God to the people. But Ezra's main task as he went up there was uh, to establish order into the land and then also uh, to establish religious worship and get that back in order uh, as well. And so uh, as he went up, uh, the testimony of the nation was at stake because he told the king, he said, listen, God's got this. Amen. <laughs> Thank the, appreciate your help. But we believe the Lord, of the, the good hand of the Lord is upon us and uh, he'll go before us and he'll take care of us. Amen. Hey, we can have confidence in our God. We shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be afraid to make bold statements about our God uh, before a lost world. So Ezra returns. And then, of course, as we see, he's overwhelmed by the spiritual uh, circumstances that he finds in the land. And notice again what happens in verse 3 when he hears what happens. He says, And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and my beard and sat down <laughs> astonished. Astonished, that word means appalled. Uh, disheartened, dismayed, when he saw what was going on among his nation, among his people, amen, he was disheartened, he was appalled, he was dismayed about the sin going on in the land. We think about that word about being uh, uh, appalled. Uh, Psalm 143.4 says this, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. That's probably how he felt. His heart was overwhelmed when he saw the sinful condition of the people, when he saw the sinful condition of his uh, 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 nation. And so, you know, I read that, and boy, that was, a, that was a challenge to my heart. I'd have to ask myself, I'd have to ask us, when is the last time, if ever, if ever we reacted like this over the sinful condition of our nation. Well, we talk about all the wickedness going out there, but when is the when, when has it ever got to the point where it affected us? Uh, amen. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if I just got up this morning and uh, uh, just ripped my shirt off and threw my jacket off? It's okay. I wear a t-shirt. Don't be scared. I wear a t-shirt. I always wear a t-shirt, right? But you know, if I if I just did that this morning, I mean, if I just fell down and I I I just laid there and they said, "What's wrong with preacher?" I, I know he's been mentioning something with this with, with his heart. Did he pass out? What's going on? And I said, no, 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 no. I'm just, I just got thinking about what was going on in my nation, about the open sin and abomination in my nation. And finally, I had a correct response to it. And that's what it is. This is a, what you're seeing here is a correct response to someone, a man of God, the people of God, uh, really getting a, a good look at the sin going on in the nation and just not looking at it through human eyes, but how believers are supposed to look at it in light, amen, through the eyes of God, 
through the light of through the light of holiness, amen, and God's holy standard. Think about that. It says he ran his clothes. And of course, uh, that was a sign of being overwhelmed, uh, an overwhelming response to the situation uh, to rend one's clothes. Of course, uh, typify a, a desire, uh, of sh- uh, a, a sign of shame and a desire for repentance and of great grief over sin. And not only a great grief over sin, but a great dread over divine wrath that might come upon the nation because of that sin, because of the wickedness going on. As we, as we look in these verses, verses 1 and 2, what do we notice? God's people were not separated the way they were supposed to be separated. We see the nation was full of abominations. And we see that the leaders were complicit with it and setting a bad example. Oh, man, sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, abomination, we don't hear that word. Let me, let me give you some thoughts on abomination because uh, uh, somebody mentioned me the other day, might have been Brother Woods, somebody was talking about how the, all the open abominations that we were seeing in our country. We need to be reminded what abominations are. That's a strong word. When there's a reason, it's a strong word. And an abomination means something that is hated, an object of disgust and detestable in the eyes of God. The Old Testament law lists two types of abominations. Of course, there were the ceremonial abominations. You know, it talks about all the animals. And of course, then there were moral abominations. Certain things were to be abominable to Israel. And certain things were said to be abominations in the eyes of a holy God. Things which were abominations to God, let me give you a few. Homosexuality in the nation was an abomination before God. Occult practices were an abomination. Men and women wearing apparel which pertained to the opposite sex were an abomination before God. Prostitution was an abomination. A divorcee returning to her first husband after remarrying. Unjust business practices pride, lying, the shedding of innocent blood, right? We might throw in there abortion, an abomination, wicked imaginations, false witnesses, sowing discord, the wicked, all these things and more were a great abomination and were hated and were disgust and detestable in the eyes of a holy God that looked down upon the nation and people that he loved when he was trying to raise up a holy people unto himself, which is what believers are supposed to be. Notice uh, uh, verses uh, uh, 1 says, Now when these things were done, the princess came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites, look, have not separated themselves from the people of the land. He says, when you go out there, you can't tell the believers from the unbelievers, whether it's the way they dress, whether it's the music they play. Hey, listen, if you're walking up to a place that's supposed to be a place where God is worshipped, and you're walking up and you can hear the music far off and you can't tell uh, uh, who that music is being played to, something's wrong. Amen. Amen. Something's wrong uh, uh, with that. Like they say, you know, uh, 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 that just doesn't make sense. Having not separated themselves, right? And do according to their abominations. You know, that's happening in the church. Listen, uh, uh, listen, of course uh, we love everybody. Of course we 
care about uh, everybody. That's not the question, right? It's one thing to care about somebody. It's something to be a facilitator and to agree with somebody. I care about everybody, but I don't agree with what everybody is doing. And that's our job to have that separation and a clear stance on these things. It says, even as the Canaanites, the Hittites, and names all those people, then notice what it says in verse two. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, and notice the statement, that the holy seed. Do you know what you are? You are the holy seed of God in this generation. And it says, have mingled themselves. The holy seed is not supposed to be mingled with the seed of this world. We are the mingled themselves with the people of the lands. Then look at this. And the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief. You know, it's one thing, you know, uh, when I was young, uh, hey, listen, these things going on, they've always gone on. But, you know, back in the day, we, everybody knew these things on, but they, were, they happened in a certain place. You know, there was that group or, oh, over there or this or that. But now, listen, it, it, it's, it's wide open. And, and, you know, and it's funny. I've watched uh, uh, politicians over the age and they say, oh, yes, we're against that. We're against that. We're against that years ago. Now they say, well, you know, uh, of course, I'd never do anything like that. But who am I to tell them they can't do it? Then it got like that. And now they're now they're 100 percent behind them. Now they're holding their hands up. What can we do to help all these people that are committing these abominations? You see, they've mingled. They've mingled. We're not supposed to mingle. Amen. We're supposed to we're supposed to come to them and give them the gospel. We're supposed to come to them and show them the love of Christ. But we're not supposed to mingle with them, be entangled with them, yoked with them. And that's what was going on here. You see, these people, see, so while the ceremonial abominations have been done away in Christ, the moral abominations remain in effect. The things called abominations to God in the law are moral issues which have not changed even with the giving of the gospel. God's hatred of these things is based upon his holy nature. And we're supposed to be what? Partakers of the divine nature. So what he hates, we're supposed to hate. What he loves, we're supposed to love. Amen. And uh, Christian, Christ-like, that is what we're supposed to be. But thankfully, when all, though this was going on, thank God for those whose hearts were still stirred, amen, for the things of God, who still called sin, sin, who still stood for what was right and had a heart, amen, for God, despite what was going on openly in their nation. I love verse four. Look at verse four, what it says here. So Ezra, right, he, he reacted that way. And it says in verse four, then were assembled unto me, everyone, look at this beautiful statement, that everyone that trembled at the words of God. I love that statement. Trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. Look at this again. I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. Uh, 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 listen to what God says about those that tremble at his word. Isaiah 66, 2 says this. For all those things hath my hand made and all those things have been, saith the Lord. Look at this. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and contrite 
and trembleth at my word. God is looking for people in 2021 that still tremble at the word of God. Amen. That still desire holiness, amen, to glorify a holy God. The still desire, amen, not to be better than everybody else, but to be separated from that which we are called to be separated. Let me give you a good example that gives a good thought of what it is uh, to tremble. Uh, uh, you remember the story of Eli and Samuel. It says, and when he came, remember, uh, uh, they had the battle and his sons had taken the ark uh, of God out there. And we know that his sons were killed and the ark had been taken out there. And it says this. And when the man came to tell Eli, it says, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. Look at this. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. You can just, you can just see the old man sitting there and just, just a, a, a trembling and a, and a weight upon his heart about his concern for what was going on with the ark of God. And our heart needs to, needs, needs to tremble, amen, at the word of God and the things of God. You see, they trembled at God's word because, one, they desired God's blessing upon their nation. Amen. I want to say, I desire God's blessing upon my nation. And they desire God's blessing upon their lives and homes. I desire God's blessing upon our lives and our homes, but also upon the understanding of the condition of their nation, right? They feared God's judgment. And I want to say, hey, uh, listen, I, I, I'm not a doomsdayer. You know me, I'm not a doomsdayer. I don't harp on a bunch of stuff, but I can say with all honesty, I fear God's judgment upon our nation. Notice he goes on to talk about how his heart was burned when he saw the sinful condition of his nation. Verse five, and at the evening sacrifice, look at this, I rose up, notice this statement, from my heaviness. You see, the condition of his nation, the condition of God's people was a burn that weighed upon his heart. It was a heaviness upon his heart that he could almost feel it, if you will. And we've been there, man. Uh, something happens in our life. And listen, even though it's not physically on our shoulder, we can feel the weight of it, right? It brings us down. He said, I rose up from my heaviness and having rent my garment and my mantle, look at this. Listen, the best thing you do, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord, my God. Oh, listen, is that not what we need to do for our nation? Is that not what we need to do for the souls of men? Is that not what we need to do for the church, amen, to once again uh, get a heaviness, amen, get a heaviness for our nation, a heaviness for the church, a heaviness for the souls of man, a heaviness, amen, about what's going on around us, amen, to where uh, 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 we get the sort of like they say, the can help us. They usually say that when they talk about shouting, but we need to get the can't help us about prayer. That's what he got about prayer. He got the can't. He, listen, he couldn't help it. He could take another step. He fell upon his knees. He raised his hand and he cried out on behalf of his nation under prayer. You see, because a serious burden, amen, a serious burden will lead to serious prayer. A serious burden will lead. So let me ask you this. You want to know how great your burden is for your nation? You want to know how serious your burden is for your nation? How serious your burden is for souls? How serious your burden is about God doing something in your church? How serious is your prayer for your nation? How serious is your prayer for souls? How serious is your prayer 
for your local church and for your loss. Oh, I got a burden for my loved ones. I got a serious burden. Well, how serious is your prayer for your lost loved ones? Ezra 9, 6, so what he says, he said, oh my God, I am ashamed and I blush. Boy, that's why you think you don't see out in this world. There's no shame anymore. Hey, uh, listen, listen. Paul said, I am not ashamed. We're the ones that shouldn't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the church. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. Amen. I'm not ashamed about uh, what God has done in my life and what God wants to do in your life. Let the wicked be ashamed, the Bible says. They're the ones that should be ashamed. We're not to be ashamed. But you see, because, listen, Ezra hadn't done anything wrong, but he was ashamed for his nation. When he went to prayer, boy, we should be. So we, we should, if we were serious about this thing, we'd go to God and say, oh, God, God, you ra- I believe you raised up this country. I believe God raised up America with all my heart. Amen. And God, you raised up and you've used this. You've used this country to get the gospel out all around the world. And you've always had a, a good stronghold here. But Lord, I'm ashamed of the, the direction of my country today. I'm ashamed of the direction of the church today. I'm ashamed of what's been going on in the lives of believers. I probably have to say I'm ashamed of some of the things that I've done myself, but oh God, today's the day, amen, that I get serious about that shame and blush. Oh boy, nobody blushes over uh, uh, anything anymore. He says, I lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. Boy, could we not pray that prayer for our nation today? There was no doubt Ezra and many with him understood the gravity of the situation. May God help us as his people to understand the gravity of the situation. And listen, I'm not talking about all politics here, you know. Hey, listen, uh, uh, no, I listen. Sure, I can talk about the, but that's, no, I'm concerned about the spiritual condition because when the spiritual condition in our nation gets right, then everything else will line up because, see, it's the leaders, amen, that weren't setting an example. I'm going to mention that in a moment. There was no doubt Ezra understood. You see, a desire for holiness, a desire for holiness, if you have a true desire for holiness, then you know what you'll see? You'll see a holy shame in people's lives. You'll, there'll be a holy shame, which will turn to holy sorrow, which will lead to true repentance. If you really desire to holiness, when you see these things, there'll be a holy shame, there'll be a holy sorrow, and then that'll lead to true repentance because your desire is the glory of God. Your desire is that the holiness of a holy God would be manifest in this nation, would be manifest in this church, would be manifest in your home, would be manifest manifest in our individual lives. You see, the prayer of repentance, notice this, began among the spiritual leaders, right? Judgment must begin at the house of God. The prayer of repentance began among the spiritual leaders and those that trembled at the word of God. But for a complete turn in the nation, the political leaders must be stirred also. You know, everybody, all I've heard the last year and a half is stuff about political leaders. Hey, listen, 
Listen, it doesn't go. Listen, you may, you may talk fine economics, whether it trickle down. Hey, there might be a trickle down economics, but there's not a trickle down spiritual revival. There's not a trickle down America get right with God. There's not a trickle down. No, it starts here in the grassroots of God's local church and God's people. It doesn't trickle down. It flows up. Amen. It flows up. If it flows down from anywhere, it won't be in Washington. It flows down from the throne of God into the hearts of God's people. And as we get filled, the overflow goes into our community and goes across our nation. So listen, uh, I'm not talking about, listen, everything will line up, amen, when the spiritual side of things, but it begins with the spiritual leaders and those that tremble at the word of God. Political leaders, listen, we know, listen, it's not their job to teach and preach the word of God, but they are, but if they have been given a position of leadership in a nation, they are still going to be accountable for following with teachings. Maybe it's not their job to teach it, but it's their job to live according to it. And they are going to be accountable. I'll be held accountable for the preaching and teaching. But as leaders of this nation, they will be held accountable to God to how they follow it, especially in a country like America that God has had so much uh, uh, blessing upon. So verse eight. Let's, let, let's, let's go there. And now look at, just look at verse 8. What a, what a beautiful verse. Here to me is just a wonderful verse. A wonderful verse in the Word of God. Let's, let, notice how this goes. And now, look, look at this. Look at this statement. And now for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord. Look at the statement. Look at that little statement right there. A little space, grace. A little space, Grace. Now, space here refers to just a brief, defined moment of time. A brief, defined moment of time. Think about that. But I want to say this. In every generation, in every situation, God has given and God has allowed a space of grace. Hallelujah. Has allowed a space of grace. Whether a small space of time or whether a small space of land, God always gives a space of grace. Think about Calvary for a moment. Well, I thought about that, a space of grace. And I thought about when God created the world, amen. He created the vast oceans. He created the vast mountain ranges. He created, amen, the vast canyons. He created the vast rivers. He created the vast open plains. But in the midst of all that vast creation, on a little hill where he knew that one day Jerusalem would be built. There was a little hill where he carved out a space of grace where he knew that that's where the, the, the cross of his son, the cross of Calvary we planted. He said, throw out the mountains, throw out the oceans, throw out the canyons, throw out, amen, all the prairies. He said, but this little spot right here, amen, in the midst of all this vastness, this space right here is going to be a space of grace where my son will put his cross and die and shed his blood. Oh, thank God, amen, for the space of grace. And if you're not saved this morning, I want to say God has a space of grace. Amen. Despite all that's going on, despite all that's going on in your life. Amen. You may not believe it this morning, but God has a space of grace.
grace for you to get in this morning, for you to come to him, that space of grace where Jesus died and shed his blood and was buried and rose again the third day. And boy, you know, that's what God has reserved right here. You know what this altar is? It's a space of grace. It's a place for you to get in and come to God. Right now in America, despite all that's going on, time-wise, we're living in a space of grace. Now, remember, I said space here means a brief, defined moment of time. If it's a brief, defined moment, you know what that means? It has a starting point. It has an ending point. Now, I don't know when this starting point was, but you know what? We, I think we're getting close to the ending point of that defined space of grace. And so, listen, uh, we, better, we better get this thing while God is showing grace to our nation. God is showing it. Listen, we are surrounded by abominations. We deserve judgment, but God in his mercy has given a space of grace. You know what? Uh, this church, the church should be known as a space of grace where people can walk in that door, amen, and through the lives of the believers that are part of this local church, amen, they can find grace and love, amen, and people that care about them. And we want people to know, amen, grace, amen. Grace doesn't put up with things. Grace provides things, amen. People say, oh, well, grace will put up with things. You know, they have these places called Grace Church. You know, hey, just do whatever you want. No, that's not how grace works. Grace is not there to put up with things. Grace is there to provide things. It's there to provide salvation. It's there to provide teaching. How do you live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world? That's what grace does. It provides teaching. It provides salvation. It provides what you need. When times get tough, grace is there to provide what you need. That's what grace does. Grace provides things. And so God has given a space of grace so he can provide grace to whatever you need it for in your life. And he goes on. Uh, <laughs> I could park right there for a while. A space of grace. But look, it has been showed from the Lord our God. Look at this. To leave us a remnant. Thank God. As you study Israel, as you study the word of God, that no matter how bad it got, God always had his remnant. Amen. Romans 11, 5 says this. Even so then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And I'm so glad. Hey, hey, listen, we, we, we can get we could get down and discouraged about how bad it is in our nation. But despite how bad it is in our nation, thank God there's a remnant of grace. Amen. God still has his remnant in America. Amen. Thank God I look at you and I would I see I see part of God's remnant in America. Amen. His amen in his in his in his space of grace. Amen. I see the grace of God. I see his remnant. Thank God. Amen. That God always has his remnant. Oh, listen, let me tell you, his remnant is bigger than you think it is. Don't get the old Elijah poopy mouth. Amen. Poochy mouth there. Right. Oh, listen, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. No, uh, he's reserved unto himself. Amen. Listen, let me tell you, there's more people that love God than you think. Amen. We close ourselves off and all this and that. Listen, God's got a big group out there. Hey, and we're just handfuls of people. But one day he's going to reach down and grab this handful and that handful and that handful over there. And one day he's going to put all those handfuls together. It's going to be the, it's going to be 10,000 times 10,000. Amen. The biggest crowd you ever saw ain't going to be the football game or a soccer game or the Olympics. Amen. The biggest crowd you're ever going to see in your life is going to be around the throne of God singing Worthy is the lamb. That is where you're going to see it. And he goes on. He says a remnant. Look what else this verse goes on to say. To leave us a remnant and to give us a nail. Well, we saw that 
word recently, didn't we? And now remember what was a nail for? A nail is used to hold things together and to hang something on. Amen? It's used to hold things together and gives you a place to hang something on. Listen, and here it's used metaphorically for a share in God's plan. He said, Lord, you, 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 you've stuck us right here. Amen? And you're letting us get in on your plan. Hey, despite everything going on, amen, God, you have a space of grace. God, you have a remnant. God, you, you nailed us down right here and said, hey, you just stay right here. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Hey, we just need to stay right here, amen. God's going to do something. God wants us up. We don't need to, we don't know, listen, just stay right here, amen. God, we, we need to nail it down, amen, that we're going to be in the house of God and get in on God's plan. Now, you know, Christ is referred to uh, as a nail. Isaiah 22, 23, it says this, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. Amen. As we said before, listen, uh, you just get Jesus in your life. He'll hold you together and you can hang your future on him. And then he goes on. We better uh, hurry up here. Verse eight, it says this to leave us a remnant, to give us a nail. Why? Why does God do this? Is that he may lighten our eyes. Hey, God's not done yet. Listen, until he comes, God is not, God still has something. And we need to say, God, lighten our eyes. Help us, despite all the abominations going on out here, despite the condition of our country, Lord, help us not to look at that. Help us not to look down. But Lord, we need you to come by and lighten our eyes and help us to see that you're still on the throne. Help us to see that you're still in the big things business and you still want to do something in through our life. God, I don't care what's going on. God, in, in, in 2021, God is still in the soul-saving, life-changing, local church-building business. That is what God does. Lighten our eyes and what? And give us a little reviving. A little reviving in our bondage. Psalm 13.3 says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten my eyes. Boy, let that be our prayer. Lord, lighten my eyes. You know, it, it, it'd be great to have, sure, it'd be great to have another uh, great awakening in our nation. I don't, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but whether God allows that to happen. But listen, but oh, that God would come our way and at least give a little reviving. A little reviving. We can have that. We can have that. I, I, I like there's a there's a place, if I remember it correctly, I mentioned it where, where where it talks about the latter rain. And it says, you know, you, you know, you, you think about your whole yard getting watered, right? But it says if it, if any something like this, if any one grass, if any one blade, you know, hey, and maybe the whole yard may not get the latter rain, but oh, if there's there's a blade out there that says, Well, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but Lord, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Lord, if you'll just come rain on me. Amen. Amen. Just come rain on me. Say, oh, God, listen, I don't know if we're going to have a have, have a big storm across this nation, but Lord, I'd be glad. Hey, Lord, if you just come by Choice Hills Baptist Church and rain down a little bit, that'd be all right. Amen. If you just come my way and rain uh, a little bit, that would be a wonderful thing and give reviving again. Verse nine, as we try to finish up, for we were bondmen, yet our God hath not, look at this. What, what It says, he hath not forsaken us. He hath not forsaken us. Think about that. Despite what America deserves, God has not forsaken us. And it goes on to say this, but has extended mercy unto us. Remember, mercy can only be applied to the guilty. That means he knows we're guilty because mercy can only be applied to the guilty. That's different. grace and mercy. What makes mercy different? It can only be applied to the guilty. Anything can get the grace of God, but only the guilty can get the mercy of God. And listen, he knows, he knows, 
He knew the nation was guilty. He knows our nation is guilty. But God, what did he do? He said, stretch out that hand one more time. I'm going to keep that hand stretched out. Amen. During this space of grace, I'm going to keep that hand of mercy stretched out and let them know that I still, I still desire to bless. I still desire to bless, to give us a revival. And he goes on to say, say this in verse 9, to what? To give us a reviving. He wants to give it. He wants to give it more than we want it. He wants to give it more than we want it. You say, oh, I, I, I want revival. Seriously? Yeah. Well, how serious is your burden? How serious is your prayer? Amen. That'll tell you. Not how loud you say it, Amen. but how you get along with him and pray for it. To give us a right. Look at this. Why? To set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. You know, the wall was a hedge of protection. And what do we need? Amen. Hey, listen, uh, uh, to set up the house of God. Listen, we know that the foundation was laid during Ezra's time. What a thing. And to make repairs. So listen, some, here's what it's saying. Some foundations needed to be laid. Some repairs need to be made. And some hedges needed to be built. That's exactly what we need today. God, listen, if, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you know what you need to have in life? Today, the foundation needs to be laid in your life. The Bible says no other foundation can be laid within that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're not saved, amen, uh, listen, some things need to be set up in your life. Amen? And it begins by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that moment, the foundation is laid, and then God can set up some things and begin to build in your life. If you're not saved, if you are saved, amen, but you've, there, there's some areas in your Christian life you've neglected, you know what you need to do? You need to do a little repairing today. You need to come and let God do some repairing in your life today. And then we all need to pray. Boy, as we look at our life, as we look at our kids, as we look at our grandkids, as we look at this generation, we say, oh, God, would you, have, would you put a hedge around my family? Oh, God, would you put a hedge around our young people? Oh, how we need God in this day and age. Amen. As we said before, we don't want to be like the other ones when God told them, well, this isn't going to happen in your day. Hey, God may have that, that, that space of grace may extend through my generation, but if the Lord tarries, amen, I want a hedge to be around my children that are still here. I want a hedge to be around my grandchildren that are still here. I want a hedge to be around the generation that will still be here, that God would build a wall of protection around them. So what are these verses saying? They're saying this, despite what we deserve, God has been good to us. God has been good to us. Hey, listen, uh, don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Hey, uh, uh, stop looking out there. Amen. Look up there, looking unto Jesus. And boy, I don't care what's going on in your life. We can say by the grace of God in America, in us, God has, God's good. Amen. And God has been good to us. Despite what we did, despite all the abominations, uh, despite all the mingling, despite how bad it looks. Amen. I'm here to say that God is good and he's been good to you and I, amen, and he's been merciful to this nation. God has been good. So some people need to set up, some people to make, need to make some repairs. But listen, we just need, amen, uh, uh, to, to, to get serious, amen, about the things of God. Just kick it up a notch. Let's, let's, let's finish. I want to finish up here by looking at a couple verses in chapter 8 quickly. Look at verse 31. When they get ready to depart, it says, Then we departed from the river of Ahava, on the twelfth day of the first month, 
to go into Jerusalem. And the hand of our God was upon us and he delivered us. Amen. Boy, that is our prayer that the hand of God would be upon us. And so as they were going forth and they were coming back, amen, uh, to their land and to their nation. uh, Look what they did in verse 35. And also the children of those that had been carried away, which were come out of the captivity, offered burnt offerings unto the God of Israel. Twelve bullocks for all Israel. Twelve bullocks for all Israel. You notice that? Well, why twelve bullocks? Well, it was one for each tribe. So that would be like us when we go to God on behalf of our nation. If we brought 50 bullocks, bullocks, right? Uh, 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 one for each state, and better bring 51. Boy, we better bring one for D.C., amen? Might just bring, bring 50, for, D, uh, 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 50 uh, 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 for D.C. there, right? But one for each state. And then one uh, uh, for D.C. It'd be like if we brought 51 uh, 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 here and, and offered sacrifices. That's what they did. And that's what we need to do. Amen. We need to pray for our country, each state, each uh, uh, there. But look what it goes on to say. It says we offered. So they did this sacrifice, 12 bullocks, 96 rams, 77 lambs, 12 goats for the sin offering. And all this was a burnt offering in the Lord. And it says, verse 36, and they delivered the king's commission and the king's lieutenant and to the governors on this side of the river. And notice how that verse ends. They furthered the people and the house of God. They furthered the people and the house of God. In other words, they, they did something, amen, that had an effect, amen, and moved the people forward and moved the house of God forward. Boy, that's what, that's what we need to say. God, thank you for where we're at, but you know what? We want to be furthered along. Amen. Lord, we want, we, want, we want to be further along as your people. We want the house of God to be further along. Lord, we want to make progress in your name. We want to make progress in your name in this generation. So as we finish up here, may we, may, may we, and we think about our nation. Boy, let's, let's say, God, please give me a heaviness. Give me a burden for my nation and for the souls of men. And then, Lord, help me to be uh, uh, to take advantage of this space of grace that you've given to my nation, that you've given to the church, that you've given to us, dear God. I don't know when when the space of grace is going to wind up time wise, but until that time, I want to be about my father's business. Amen. I want to be smack dab in the middle of your will. I want to be moving forward again. I want to be uh, moving uh, uh, the the church forward. And God, that you would come and uh, give a little reviving. And God, that I would uh, uh, I would be in my place, like Lord, like 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 a nail. I want to be in my place. I want to be in God's plan. I want to be unmovable, like a nail in the middle of God's plan. So uh, thank God for his extended mercy upon this uh, nation. Thank God for his space of grace upon our nation. But we just don't need to, to, to float along. We just say, God, lighten our eyes, open our eyes, and help us to see, Lord, sin as you see it. Lord, help us to see the lost as you see them, amen, uh, to be moved with compassion. Lord, as I go by, help me to notice the tear in that eye or the burden on that heart. 
or God, whatever the need might be in that life. Give me a sensitive heart, God, not just towards you, but to those around me. Amen. And Lord, just a, uh, just little things, Lord, make, like making sure my phone's charged or, or uh, uh, making sure something's ready in case uh, one of my brothers or sister has a need in the middle of the night. Amen. I don't want it to take an hour uh, for me to get there. I want to be able to get ready and, and jump out the door because, Lord, I want to, I want to be there. I want to be there for him. So we see in here a lot of things that we need to pray about. And again, if you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you're saved, Lord, there's any kind of question mark, any kind of doubt, please get that settled this morning. Lord, if some things need to be set up, if that foundation needs to be laid, please come forward this morning. Lord, if, if you've gotten sidetracked, and boy, you see, I need to make some repair in some areas of my life. Whatever the case is, amen, I know we need to come and pray for our nation. And if you need to pray for something concerning yourself, please come and do that. Let's pray.